Hello and welcome to a new episode of Paradigm Shift, the podcast in which I challenge your thoughts and beliefs over topics such as spirituality, religion, ancient history, conspiracy theories, and everything in between. And in today's episode, we will be talking about the possible existence of parallel universes, otherwise known as the many world interpretation. So let's go ahead and do the intro. Now, on the subject of the parallel universes, it's going to be a very heavy topic. So what I'm going to be trying to do is make it as simple as possible because I'm not really interested in the equations or the quantum uh, uh, ideas behind it or how scientists have reached these conclusions and the fact that it's a theory, sometimes it's still not accepted fully uh, as um, something concrete among the uh, physicists um, community. So with that, I will just be explaining a little bit about the few words and a few ideas behind how some scientists came to this conclusion or this theory of the many world or the fact that we do not live in one universe but in fact we are part of a multiverse which I'm sure you've heard of in a lot of mainstream uh, media such as especially movies recently at least in the past 10 years have really delved into this concept of jumping from one timeline to another from one universe to another and stuff like that now to start with just i would like to clarify that i think the fact that mainstream media picked up on this is a double-edged sword on one hand it is making it easier for people to accept such um, you know big ideas among everyone who watches them so it doesn't become too much of a an unheard theory or something no one knows how to explain or even visualize so it helps us visualize this theory more easily uh, and brings it into the conversation of everyday life there's a lot of jokes among uh, you know a lot of people as well saying that uh, you know i don't like the state of the world and right now i would rather you know jump Uh, ship and go to a different timeline something like that Uh, however the other side of this uh, sword is that it also brings with it a a scientific or sci-fi part of, of it so kind of like people no longer accept these ideas Uh, because they do not take them seriously and are completely uh, relegated to fantasy and sci-fi now uh, this is the case with a lot of other theories especially when it comes to conspiracy theories uh, how people reject them because they sound like a hollywood movie i'm sure you've heard this expression before and uh, this is what i feel uh, is doing to this uh, you know parallel universes multiverse and many world interpretation theory 
uh, it's it's affecting it in that manner. So on one way, we are accepting it more and more, and it's being brought to the, into the conversation more, which will eventually push more people, uh, more scientists, more physicists, to to actually you know do more tests and try to understand whether this is a real thing or not, as real as it can be. And uh, on another hand, it could also make the conversation a little bit more stale because of its existence in uh, mainstream media. So what are the parallel universes? How does it exist on a theoretical level? How did people come up with it? And what did the big heavy ones say about it, such as Einstein and uh, Schrodinger and other um, scientists along the way. So to understand the 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 beginning or at the start, like to understand how does it work or how does a parallel universe gets created, we need to go from the big big universe to a very very small atom, and it is at the atom level that we can start talking about quantum mechanics and quantum physics as opposed to classic physics. Now, classic physics has a certain idea when it comes to how a, a single atom functions and uh, it bases all theories coming f after it based on this constant existing theory uh, about a particle or an atom is that it is, exists in one single space. So to explain that uh, not in, in too many scientific words, imagine there's a big ball, a basketball, and I pick it up and I throw it in the air. Now, if I throw it and at some point I stop it in mid-trajectory, I can detect where the ball will land based on its speed and its um, current state uh, of, of in space. Uh, of course, there is the uh, equation that will tell me where it will land. Now, this concept is what is known as the classic th uh, physics because uh, they used to believe that it is applied on a atomic level. And when quantum mechanics emerged, it, it has brought forth the idea that no, on a very small, small, small level, uh, the 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 item that I'm looking f at, like let's say for example, the atom doesn't have a trajectory. It actually has something that they refer to as a wave function, and this wave function means that the let's say the ball itself, in its current state in midair, doesn't. Ha it actually has a lot of probability of where it will land. So it doesn't rely on past information in order to give me future information. Now this is the simple way of looking at it. Just because I threw the ball in a specific uh, line and speed, uh, quantum mechanics tells me that that ball does not necessarily mean it will land in a specific way. And that comes because uh, down to the nature of the atom and its wave function. Now, the not to get again not to get into too much details uh, because there's so many different um, you know articles about this so many different books uh, youtube videos podcasts a lot that explain it in a very scientific method and that is not my um, that's not my uh, basically reason to do this that's not uh, what i'm looking for here that's not the goal the goal for me is just to bring forth this theory 
and you can do with it whatever you like in terms of understanding it more, applying it to your life and stuff like that. So when we want to talk about the existence of a specific particle in space on a quantum level, we call it superposition. The superposition means that the particle exists in multiple spaces, states, when not observed. So what does that mean? That means that at any point, this particle can behave in a lot different ways, and we don't know how it will behave. It is only when we observe it, and by observing it means there is a bit of debate among the, you know, in the scientific community about what observing means, whether is it a conscious being looking at it, or just measuring it in a specific state using you know different uh, you know cameras or whatever or uh, devices and stuff like that so this till now they still haven't yet agreed on what it is and this is the most um, the, the the experiment that most uh, represents this is called the double slit experiment which i invite you all to uh, research about there's a lot of nice youtube videos that have a lot of illustrations and explain how it works i'm not going to talk about it now because it needs a lot of visual backup and it's not easy for a podcast to do that however what i will say is that after the double slit experiment was conducted it was believed that the particle changes its behavior once we observe it that basically destroyed everything we knew before that time about particles and how classic physics look at things. Because instead of having one general absolute con uh, equation, we have now a different equation telling us that the particle d behaves differently once a conscious being, let's call it that, is looking at it. So that explains the, what superposition means. Okay? Now, when that happened, Einstein was really against it. And he said a line which is very, very famous. He said, God does not play dice in the universe or with the universe. What does that mean? It means that he doesn't believe that anything in the universe has a probability. Everything is determined based on previous information that we have fed it to this uh, inf uh, uh, you know, experiment. So he believed that once we know where we came from, basically, we'll know where we're headed. And the double slit experiment and everything when it comes to superposition challenges that hugely because it actually tells us that even though we have information from before, we still don't know the outcome. There's a lot. There's a, an infinite probability of where this particle will end up being. This was also highlighted by uh, the very famous uh, physicist uh, Schrödinger in the Schrödinger cat experiment, and this has now become more of a joke when it comes to again uh, quantum mechanics and uh, the state of something, how it is basically when observed and not observed. Again, to talk about the experiment that Schrodinger did, he uh, theorized that if he has a box and inside the box he puts a cat. Next to the cat, he will put a box, uh, a glass, um, a flask of poison and this poison is triggered, something will break it, whether an atom that he also placed inside this box 
decays or does not decay. So basically, he put three things in, his, uh, in theory, he put three things in a box, a cat, a poison flask, and an atom. Now, and closed, he closed the uh, box. He said that the, the experiment goes, goes to say that if the, uh, the atom decays, it will trigger the machine to break the flask, releasing the poison and killing the cat. If the atom does not decay, it will not trigger the machine, which means the flask will remain intact and it will mean that the cat will still be alive. Very simple, right? So what he says is that once, as long as the box is closed and we don't know the state that the atom is in, given that the atom is in superposition, which means given that the atom could be decaying or not decaying, we don't know because we haven't observed it yet, the cat is both alive and dead throughout. This is the state that the cat is in. As opposed to the atom and its superposition, the cat is alive and the cat is dead. That again doesn't work with classic physics because physics tell you you need one outcome to any experiment. You cannot have both outcomes at the same time. And Schrodinger's um, uh, resolution to this was the fact that the moment it could be, like the moment we open the box, that's when we can find out whether the cat is alive or dead, which also means that once we have opened the box, we have determined that the wavelength of the, sorry, the wave function of the atom ha has indeed collapsed, which means that uh, the atom has reacted in a specific way and we'll be able to find out in what way he, it reacted. Now, he said, Schrodinger said, that the cat cannot be both alive or dead. So it's e like either or. It cannot be and. It cannot be at the same time alive and dead. And that's where the theory of entanglement comes. So we've discussed superposition but entanglement is something else completely and I will explain how those two can interact together and how once they both interact together, that's when we come up with the many word interpretation or the parallel universes. So entanglement means two particles have interacted with each other. Once those two particles interact with each other, they actually create something like uh, what is known as that they're both the wave function collapses into one. So if it was an individual wave function for each of the two atoms, okay, one has a probability of going upwards, going left, right, uh, up or down. The other has the same probability going up, down, left or right. So each one has individual wave function. Once those wave functions collide together, once we hit them together, they both fall into one wave function. They become one. Now, if I wanna explain it on a bigger scale and talk about two tennis balls. So let's say I'm holding a tennis ball and, I throw, and someone on the opposite side of, let's say, an, a table hold, is holding another tennis ball. Same height, same, um, uh, you know, um, uh, with uh, everything related, they are the same basically tennis balls. And let's say I pick it up 
and I throw it in a specific speed, very controlled speed. So I know how I'm throwing it at what trajectory and what speed. On the other side, that person is also throwing that tennis ball in the same speed and the same trajectory. Once they hit each other, Newton's third law tells you that they will bounce off of each other in the same way. So if they are both hitting each other at a specific speed, they will both go backwards at the specific speed. This is a simplified version of entanglement. Basically, the two balls have become entangled in their speed and force and trajectory, and they would react the same way. Now, where does this apply when it comes to superposition and to Schrodinger's cats and to the creation of the parallel universes? Someone came much later after Schrodinger and after Einstein and suggested this idea that we, are, we have been looking at particles and at quantum elements as if they were separate from us, the observer. We are also made of particles and atoms, and we should also be considering ourselves the observer of this experiment as quantum beings, basically. And given the theory of entanglement, just when the moment I actually observe the atom and how it has reacted, the, the fact that I'm made of atom as well reacts in the same way to that atom. Okay? So in that manner, when I open the box of Schrodinger and I look at the cats, I reacted in two different ways. One was seeing the cat alive. Another was seeing the cat dead. Because both situations of the cat's a state, whether it's alive or dead, do exist when it comes to superposition. So me as an observant, I also react to the way I've seen the, the, the outcome of the experiment in the same way as part of the entanglement, which means that we have impacted, interacted with the wave function collapse of the atom inside the box and whatever is inside of us has also became one with that wave function. So when that happens, I go into, basically, there's a split in reality or in the universe. One version of me has seen the cat alive. The other version of me has seen the cat dead. Now, that is a really big idea when it comes to what does that mean that there are other versions of me that exist out there? Does that mean that uh, the, the, we are part of a multiverse? How does that work? Well, I mean, on a, on a theoretical level, okay, it's very simple wh when this theory is applied. Basically, look at it as this way. Every situation exists at some point. The entire situation, like all the different ones, look at them as some sort of parallel rivers. Okay, so you have five rivers flowing in the same direction and they're all parallel to each other. They never meet, but they all are doing the same thing. They are moving in the same way. And you as a person 
you look at what, or you can be standing in one river, only one river at a time. And at some point, you make a decision. Something happens, which in physics called entanglement, but if we want to take it on ourselves on a more you know, emotional human level, let's, let's say a choice, for example. So I made a choice to do something. Now, when I make the choice to do something, I, uh, on, a, on a very, uh, you know, like a metaphysical level, I am now standing at the top of these five different rivers, and I'm choosing to go in the one in which that choice that I make took place. So again, in easy terms or in everyday life experiences, let's say, for example, I'm in a restaurant, I want to eat, actually, I want to eat. And I look at the menu and I see there's chicken, there is a salad, there is meat, stuff like that, there is soup. So I make the choice. Okay, so I'm going to look at the chicken. I'm going to order the chicken for my lunch today. Now, what that means is that all the possible outcomes of me eating all these foods does exist. It's just that my mind and my consciousness has converted or converged, to be more specific, converged to the timeline in which I chose the uh, chicken, to eat the chicken. So you see how the fact that I chose something doesn't mean that the other, the other choices have stopped existing because they are always existing in every aspect of reality. What I simply have done is that I have focused my consciousness into looking or observing one of these lines or one of these rivers in which I have done specific something. Now, a lot of scientists today tell us that the, uh, like there's the, uh, 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 Sean Carroll, who is today maybe the most knowledgeable inf- uh, scientist and theoretical physicist about the topic, and he wrote a book, which I haven't read yet, but I believe it's going to be very difficult <laughs> for me to read, called the Something Deeply Hidden, in which he talks about the many world theory in which he talks about how scientists and the scientific community needs to start taking quantum mechanics more seriously and need to have better equipments and better experiments when it comes to these topics. Now, he believes that these worlds that are created all the time by our by the entanglement that we have created, and not just by us as observers, but also by the whole world around us, everything that is in this universe. So when you have different particles connecting and entangling with each other, all of these are branching out into different realities and different worlds. The only thing that is making our world seem like one is because we are observing this one only but that does not stop the other ones from existing because on a subatomic level, on a quantum level, it has been proven that there are, that the wavelength, uh, sorry, the wave function of a uh, a particle does not collapse until it is being observed. So it is, if if I want to enter it on a philosophical level, basically, it's our existence as observers that's what's creating the reality that we are in. We are not in a reality and taking part of it. 
our existence is creating that reality and it's creating one of many realities that already exist. There is a, either a very large number or an infinite number of realities that have branched out from every interaction that happens all the time, all the time. And this also, uh, this also works on like, the, the, the idea that, there is, that new words are being created all the time which means that we have more words in the future than we had in the past because there were less interactions in the past than there are right now and there will be in the future. So this is an exponential growth of realities and of universes that are being created all the time. And again, if I want to go back to the philosophical aspect of it, that does mean that... It's, it's, it's kind of funny, the, the, the mix between I think, therefore I am, and this quantum mechanic theory, because it, one is actually explaining it from a philosophical place, the other is trying to explain it from a scientific place. And uh, this is something just to sidetrack a little bit. This have, uh, I have always noticed this, that when it comes to science, and what, what science's nature is, you know, the, what, what does it do to, to explain things? Science basically never explains why things happen. Science explains how they do. So science goes very small or very big, micro or macro, and explain to us that, for example, when uh, photosynthesis happen, uh, you have the plant, which is in direct um, contact with the sun so particles come in and they affect on this level and then this happens and that that happens at first you're thinking that this is why things happen why is it that when i put a plant outside for example it actually grows this is not why this is the how it grows this is the the function of it it's it's, it's explaining to you the the, the, the uh, on, uh, on a small uh, you know subatomic level how things interact with each other but there is no answer as to why is it that they do. This is where quantum mechanics is coming in right now. They're telling you that it's all a probability, basically, that the particle doesn't have a reason for it to act the way it does. It's simply a probability of a lot of different actions, and one of those actions is the universe that we live in right now. And... Now, to kind of not to go too deep into this, and the purpose of me talking about this is not just to inform people or to inform you about you know, the mechanics of, of this theory or why does it exist or the possibility of it existing. It's more about the, what can be done with it. Okay? What can this information help us to? Or... What, 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 why should we know about something like this? People like um, Sean Carroll, they don't believe that there's a reason for it to be known. They believe, he believes that, and he was asked several times, and other theoretical physicists have been asked as well, as to, okay, so let's say it has been proven, 
on a very with experiments with devices that not only a particle has a wave function not only that it only the wave function collapses only when we observe it let's say all of that is approved but on top of that let's say that there we do have a way to understand or to measure that there are different universes and we have created parallel universes all the time and there is a version of me which has ordered that uh, soup instead of that chicken does that mean that that person is separate from me does that mean it's the same person as me what does it mean and scientists usually don't like to you know get <laughs> meaning behind all this they just want to know uh, but to me I feel like there is a big implication as to what we can do with something like this because it actually does fit when it comes to spirituality and the and the the possible existence of of higher beings or higher dimensional beings uh, beings that are able to to understand or to uh, to, to to alter uh, certain things um, every now and then or at will if you want and maybe we can finally understand uh, the function or how does it work exactly when we talk about miracles uh, you know placebo effects uh, things that have no possible explanation in in, in the physical world uh, we have all experienced things that that science can never explain we have seen things we have felt the existence of beings we have we have done so many things on a spiritual level that science still tries to explain uh, or, or actually it doesn't even bother explaining because there is no physical uh, evidence in this um, three-dimensional world. So what I believe is that this is the, 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 the first step on a long path to us understanding and if you want quantifying the existence of, of multiple universes. And could it be as simple as a miracle meaning that you have simply jumped from one universe to another in which that universe you don't have to worry about something that you are worrying about right now. Uh, like for example, if I want to say I, um, uh, let's say I was not able to walk before and something happened with me on a spiritual or religious level and now I'm healed, does that mean that I simply shifted my consciousness from the world in which I am paralyzed to a world which I'm not. And if that is the case, is this something that at some point in the future are we able to work with? Are we able to control through you know, means and equations and devices that we haven't even thought about yet? But does that mean that we can bring it on, uh, into our three-dimensional world and on our level, uh, our plane of existence, to be able to control something like this. And the more conspiracy theory question of all this is, is this something that has happened before? This is, to me, is, is very important because there's a lot of theories and a lot of ideas out there that suggest that we have, in fact, changed something in our words <clears throat> that not has not been shared you know with us as the public before and this is where uh, concepts such as time travel such as uh, the mandala effect come into play 
And the Mandela effect, in case you don't know, is basically, uh, I, I, will, I will go into that into, uh, in, in a separate episode because it demands a lot of explanation and, and uh, going through. However, uh, the Mandela effect is uh, a group of people or a large group of, of people remembering something that doesn't exist anymore. This is basically how to simplify it. Like a lot of people remember it in a specific way, but now it's in a separate way. And there were a lot of theories uh, till now that uh, t- discussing why such things exist. Uh, so, so when it comes to something like the Mandela effect, when it comes to something like time travel, when it comes to something that, to all these unexplained phenomena that happen around the world, are we dealing with something that we ha- that perhaps at some point something has shifted us from one uh, from one world to another, and are we not aware of what happened, or is this something that happens all the time, and it's simply Uh, Are we becoming more aware of it on a conscious level, which in in, in other terms mean that the more we study it, the more we evolve and grow up, uh, it will become more and more simple. I mean, this is a theory that has only been around for the past, what, 50, 60, 70 years only. And if you compare that to our entire existence as civilization or even the universe, it is a tiny, tiny fraction. So I believe that when it comes to quantum physics and when, when it comes to theories such as parallel universes and many world theory and stuff like that, there is an endless possibility to what we can learn, what we can do. And if only uh, you know, mainstream media uh, stops uh, m- taking this idea and making it a, a blockbuster movie, I think it would be taken much more seriously than it is now. And I, uh, yeah, that's basically where I'm going to end it. Are we going to be able to control something like this in the future? Are we going to, has it been done before? Is this something concrete? I mean, I don't know. I definitely, this is the point of of this episode and this podcast in general is to, to raise these questions and, and, you know, in, in the, in the endless pursuit of knowledge. So I invite you to do the same as well. I have much more to learn about this topic and I would love to to, to, to have conversations with people discussing these and different ideas and different interpretations and where they will take, take this. So this is where I'm going to end it today. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast, for all the support that I've been getting. If you are on my YouTube channel, please subscribe, like, and leave a comment below. I would love to hear from you. I would interact with you. And yeah, so I'll uh, see you in the next uh, episode. And thank you for listening.